Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Be Heard's podcast. So today the title of the podcast is I'm Sorry. Now that may seem rather strange to many people why that, what I'm about to say. So I'm neurodivergent but I also have physical problems, <laughs> let's, let's call it that, and mental health issues as well. And I hear so often the line, I'm sorry, or I feel sorry for you. And I really don't understand it. And I don't understand it from many ways. So a few months ago now, I was talking to someone about my journey to diagnosis and understanding. And they replied, can I give you a hug? Because I feel sorry for you. Now, I know from the outside looking in, that looks harmless. And it's a trivial statement in many, many ways. But... I replied the only way I knew how, which was thank you, which on reflection really annoyed me because I'm not grateful for what they said. I wasn't grateful for what they said. In fact, it made me not understand it whatsoever. The phrase itself makes me feel like my conditions are something to be ashamed of. And I am not ashamed of being autistic. I'm not ashamed of being dyslexic. I'm not ashamed of having post-traumatic stress. I'm not ashamed of the anxiety and the depression that that causes. And I'm not ashamed of the fact that my body's in pain all the time. And sometimes when the grass pollens out, my lungs don't work properly. I'm not ashamed of any of these things. I didn't choose them. And when people say like, oh, you, you, I couldn't do what you do in a day. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't know any other different. So this got me thinking into why the top 10 reasons why I don't feel want that I don't want someone to feel sorry for me. And these may be off the wall, but I wrote them down, that's why I'm looking at my computer screen over here. Um, I'm sorry that this may seem a little trivial, but it's okay, it's fine. I am the way I am, and I don't want to know what it's like to be any different, so I have nothing to compare my experiences to. I know I went a very long time being undiagnosed, and I didn't know that I wasn't, neurotypical or normal as much as I hate the word I I don't know what it's like to be any different I know what it's like to live without being in pain and I know what it's like to live without mental illness but I don't understand what life is like not being dyslexic and not being autistic so really I can't compare it to what anyone else does so I don't know the difference so therefore I'm not ashamed I, I just am who I am Secondly, my neurodiversity enables me to think about everything differently and is can be ve- is and can be very beneficial in my field of study. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm in my final semester of my undergraduate degree in business management and marketing. And the way I like to think about my brain is that it enables me to simplify things down to beyond any realm. And people tend to not necessarily see that. They they see me overanalyzing situations, but you don't see the opposite. And I can't do with all the fr- flaff, flaff, fluff around models and things, so I just completely strip them out. Um, <laughs> and that's, um, that's one of my things that I just do, and it works for me, and it's beneficial. And I get people come back to me, and it's like, I didn't understand this when the lecturer said X, can you explain it? And generally, more often than not, I can explain it in the most cut and dry way possible. They go, oh, yeah. And it is beneficial and it is helpful. And thirdly, I love that my conditions make me work harder, which make the end product of what I'm doing, working on so much better. Now, this kind of might not make sense, but 
let me kind of explain. So when I was little, I was told I wasn't dyslexic. I only had this thing. I didn't know what the word dyslexia meant. And then I was at school and I got told I had this thing called dyslexia and it made English the school subject hard. The naivety, and I now understand the autism trait in that, I completely get it. It only made English the school subject hard. Um, <laughs> which is so naive, and I laugh now because <laughs> it's comical, but it taught me a lesson. So I never had the excuse of saying, I have this thing that makes everything difficult. I have this thing that makes English the school subject hard. And I was allowed to say that it made English the school subject hard, but I had to work 10 times harder to overcome it. And I worked and I worked and I worked my socks off. You better believe it. So I never had it as an excuse. Oh, I'm failing English. It's because I've got dyslexia. I'm failing English and I have dyslexia, but I've got to work hard to get that grade up. And in the end, I had a tutor that came to my house and kind of taught me what they were wanting out of an exam question, which no one had ever taught me before. And my grades went up everywhere. And I was like, mum, this dyslexia thing, I'm not just dyslexic in English then, am I? I'm dyslexic full stop. And but I'd learned the lesson by that point. <laughs> so yeah, they make me work harder. And um, that's something I'm proud of. Um, number four, I have a bull- bulletproof layer, which means no matter what you say my, about my writing and spelling, I've heard it all before. <laughs> and my reading. Now, I'm my reading's come on leaps and bounds over recent years um, due to... Well, I can get them out because I'm sat at my desk. Uh, I have two pairs, but I have... If you're watching this on YouTube, you'll be able to see I have blue-tinted glasses. I don't wear them when I'm filming because the blue light, the ring light goes back in them. But they help so much and have improved my reading speed so much. And anything you can say about how I've spelt something or the improper use of my grammar, I have heard it so many times, you cannot hurt me. It's like someone said, what's that say? Or what? your handwriting's appalling. There is nothing you can say that I haven't heard before. And that layer that I learned there is kind of slipped across other parts of my life. <laughs> like social skills, if I screw up in conversation, there's nothing no one can say to me anymore that I'm just like, yeah, said it to myself or heard it before. <laughs> so it has its benefits. The relationship I have with my dog may be better than most most people have with other people. And I wouldn't change that. So as you know, if you've listened to all these episodes, I have a assistance dog who helps me with my autism, but a few other bits and pieces. And the bond that I have with him is unlike what most people have with their families. And I can acknowledge that because I see relationships and I see the bickering and I see people holding back who they are because of, and I find that really confusing. So I have really, I have three dogs. One's my assistant's dog. And I have bonds with them like most people don't have with humans. <laughs> and people say, he's like, she's so good with the dog. And I am, I can mask and I can be really good with people, but... The relationship I have with my dog is like, it's it's so pure because I don't have to think about what I'm saying. And if I need to rant, I can rant and he'll just go, all right, mum, love you and roll over. And and likewise to him, I can read him so well. I can read whether he's scared, whether he's anxious, whether he's happy, whether he's annoyed at his little brothers, because there's no hiding. There's no need to be assessing alternative motives for how that person's behaving and that's that's something I treasure wholeheartedly I have a heightened level of emotional intelligence now for a long time I didn't understand human emotion for a long long time too long um and I went to therapy which is something I advise anyone to do if you can um and I learned something that emotions aren't just physical sensations 
So I used to say I was angry because I could feel my fist clenching. I was anxious because I could feel my heart beat down my fingers. But I then learned that these are actually mental signs and I wasn't actually reading the mentalness of it. It's just like physical. And then when I felt a load of different emotions at once, I didn't know that was possible. And thanks to my autism and therapy, I've had to do the work to raise my awareness, emotional intelligence, because and use it effectively in order to manage my conditions effectively. And emotional intelligence is something that employers are really wanting now. And I'm not looking at going back into employment, but it I could. But being aware, like, oh, this makes me angry. What does what can I do with anger? Instead of sitting in it, what can I do with that? It can motivate me to do the work. And that's part of the reason why I set up Be Heard. That's part of the reason why there is this podcast. I was angry because people didn't understand me. They didn't understand the conditions that I have. And I was treated badly, therefore, because of it. So, therefore, why don't I work to resolve it? And that's why I do Be Heard. Not the entire reason, but it is. it was the emot- emotion that led to me going, let's do something about this. So this becomes less painful. And I see the difference Be Heard makes quite a few times. And it warms my heart. And that was using my emotions effectively. And not just sitting in them and getting more and more engrossed in them. My conditions make me resilient. Now I did a blog post about this a few weeks ago. um, And I have this saying of head up and take the next appropriate action. So I think a lot of people don't realize how resilient they are because they've been through so much they don't know any other way and for me for a long time when I was poorly um in the grips of PTSD no therapy no medication no so confused not sure what was going on I I got up and did it anyway I left one job and went to another and I carried on when I was really unwell and I go to I went when I was in treatment, I was going to college three times a week when that was taking everything out of me. But I didn't give myself the choice. As much as it had been easier to say, no, I'm staying in bed today. I haven't slept last night. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I just want this to stop. I still got up and did it anyway to give myself a future. And those those kind of hard times where you've got to carry on makes you more resilient than you'll ever understand you are because looking back is so painful standing still isn't an option but looking at the future is terrifying or if you're in the bottom of depression you may not think you have one but you get up and you try so my whole thing is no matter how bad a day it is head up the next appropriate action so for me my first three things are head up shower coffee dressed and then the next appropriate action from that and no matter how little that thing is as long as you choose something it's a win. It, that that's all that's all you can say, and it is a massive part of being neurodivergent that people don't realise how resilient they are. Because especially with me, with in terms of school subjects, I used to fail quite often, especially years seven, eight, nine. Nine was the worst year, and then it all seemed to click in year ten and year eleven, and the resilience to keep trying in year seven, eight, and nine. It did involve my mother going, "No, you're you're fine. You can carry on. You'll do the work, and you'll get there." And that is one thing that I will always be grateful for is that my undiagnosis and my diagnosis and then treatment and support and understanding 
I developed this level of resilience that perhaps not many people will ever understand. Nine. Ooh. My special interest brings me so much joy and when I bec- when it becomes a career, the, the joy will be astronomical. So, for those of you who might not know what an aut- autism special interest is, it's kind of like a subject and it's what that person reigns in on and it's their comfort blanket. And I know for me, I kind of have three that are kind of my go-to subjects um neurodivergence and mentorship which is what be heard is and then you've got business and marketing which is kind of like my middle one and my other one is animal behavior especially canine behavior and common ones are things like trains or various different often people say oh special interest trains and that's because it was in a movie once or um barbie or something or cosplay or something it's very it's very niche to that person um and it can often be their whole identity they 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 embrace themselves in it now my special interests bring me so much joy and now that i work in alignment with my special interests i find the world so much manageable (laughs) like be heard doesn't feel like work to me i love it and then my degree okay feels a bit like words sometimes but in in terms of the material it's not a chore and then you've got animal behavior which just makes me happy and that special interest being a job will mean I'll never work a day in my life and feel miserable because I've got to go to work as long as I align myself with one of those so it's using that skill and that support system that's there in your brain and learning to embrace that Finally, my condition forces me to take time and stop and enjoy the little things. This is a lesson I had to learn and I had to learn it the hard way um, for a variety of reasons. I, for a long time, just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked because that's what I thought I had to do to keep up, especially in school. Um, like There'd be times when I was doing my GCSEs. So if those of you, those of you that are in America, we do GCSEs in the UK between years two, 14 and 16 um you that like like last two years of high school um and you do big set of exams at the end and those grades allow you to go on and do whatever but you mainly need to pass English and maths and the maths wasn't going to be the problem the English was and I did a lot of work to do that and then I also took food technology design technology business studies dual science maths and English English learning English language um, which was a joy um but it's worth noting that I did I think I studied the most I got up to one weekend was I think I studied 18 hours in two days um and then went to school Monday morning nearly as tired as I finished on Friday if not worse and I had to learn from burning out that I need to take time out and I know it's hard because I'm this person that's like all or nothing if I'm not working I'm not doing enough but I've had to learn that it's okay to say, you know what, that can wait till tomorrow or that can wait till next week. You have to learn to stop and smell the roses and that's something quite a lot of neurotypicals don't understand or normies as I heard it called the other day which kind of made me laugh. Um, it, it makes you realise the little things and the little achievements that for someone else may feel like nothing which for me for you feel massive so for example in 2022 I went to London to a networking event on my own 
Um, I hadn't been to London, I'd say in about 10 years at that point. Since about 12, so yeah, no, 9, 10 years. Um, and I went with my assistant's dog. Now, for those of you who don't know, I live in the countryside, right? I live in the middle of nowhere. I live on an island, you can go a mile from the beach, like, uh, no. And there this girl was, suited and booted, um, business attire with my assistant's dog, walking out of Euston Station in London going, there's more people here than I see in a year. And that was a, a big thing for me. And attending the event was a big thing for me. And coming home and that sort of travel time, it's like six hours on the train from where I live to London. So it's quite a long time. And it's not like I'm overwhelmed, I'm overstimulated, I need to go home, I can be home like that. Like at uni, I can be home in 10 minutes. I had to take like three or four days after that to just recuperate, but it allowed me to reflect on what I had achieved. So what I've really wanted to come across with these 10 points of why I'm sorry is not the perfect thing to say, is that what you may think is astronomically difficult is someone else's daily basis. And I'm proud of what my conditions mean and that I have these diagnoses and I don't mean to say that I am just my diagnosis. I am so much more than that. But my diagnoses have taught me a lot and enabled me to achieve a lot. It's been hard over, I think I'd choose not to remember between my 16th birthday-ish and my, just after my 19th, I, I'd like to rem- not remember those, because that was peak mental illness, but I want people to be aware that just because I have these differences, these things that make me who I am, it's not something to feel sorry for me for, because you know what, I will work 10 times harder to overcome that, that barrier, and if you put a barrier in my way, I will work 10 times harder to overcome it, I can guarantee you that. So I hope you all have had a good fortnight. Um, I'm midway through my term to break, term, midway between the beginning of term and the mid-semester break. Um, so I want you to all to check in with yourselves and hope you're all doing okay. I hope you're all well and I shall speak to you guys soon. Bye.